Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine that many of you have heard about the famous evangelist Billy Graham. He once said, We have yet to find the person who lives his life to its full potential. As we begin the new year today, we can all ask ourselves, Did I live the last year of my life to my full potential? And to our regret, we all have to admit that no, we did not. We've all fallen far short of what we wanted to be and what we could have been, especially in service of our God and for the glory of his name. Doubt, fear, worry, envy, hate, guilt, self-pity, selfishness, laziness, pride, all of these things have stunted our spiritual growth in the past year to one degree or another. And so today, as we continue our Christmas celebrations and also as we begin this new calendar year, we'll see from God's Word how to live instead by faith. Faith in God's protection and in His forgiveness. We see here in Matthew chapter 2 the way that God protected His Son. And so we see, according to our text, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And at the time of his birth, uh, some kind of star appeared in the sky. We don't know exactly what it was, uh, whether it was uh, something uh, that was naturally occurring, but God allowed the wise men to have a special understanding of, of what special thing that indicated. Or perhaps it was some uh, supernatural star that, that seemed to, to move uh, and guide them. Uh, as, it, as it moved along to, the, to guide them to the place where this newborn king was. But whatever the case was, somehow these wise men from the east, uh, some land to the east of, of the land of Israel, they understood that this special star in the sky indicated the birth of a newborn king. And they seem to have understood also, perhaps they, they had access to some of the prophecies that God had given through his prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, perhaps that, that they received from, from wise men uh, who were Jewish by birth, who had been carried off into captivity in Babylon and, and in the empire of Persia and those lands to the east. Perhaps from those ancient prophecies of Scripture, they had understanding of God's promise to send the Savior of the world. In whatever way they had this understanding, they were looking forward to going and meeting and, and worshiping this newborn king. And so, when they saw that star, they, they packed gifts that were worthy of a king, fit for a king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they set off to seek and to find this newborn king. And when they got to that, that land of the Jews in Israel, they went to where they assumed a newborn king would be found, in the capital city of Jerusalem. And they started asking around about where to find the newborn king. And they found that nobody had heard about a newborn king. They were kind of puzzled about that. But when the current king, King Herod, heard that there were these wise men from the east asking around about a newborn king, uh, he began to get rather anxious and jealous and concerned about his own political power. And so he called 
the Bible scholars to come and, and tell him, what does the Bible say? What do God's prophets say about where the Messiah would be born? Herod at least had some basic understanding of God's word, of the prophecies of the Old Testament. He knew about the promise of the Messiah who would be a king. And he was afraid that this newborn king would threaten his rule. And so then he called the wise men to him in secret to find out from them the exact time when the star had appeared so that he could estimate how old this newborn king might be by this time, whatever time it was, however long after the birth of Jesus. And we see later on that he estimated, uh, at least to be safe on the safe side, in order to eliminate this perceived threat to his rule, that he would have to get rid of a child, a baby boy, who was two years old or younger. And so then he told the wise men to, to go and go to Bethlehem, which is where the prophets had, the prophet uh, Micah had prophesied that this newborn king would be born. Go there and look for him, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can worship him too. Which, of course, we know was a lie. The wise men did go, and again, guided miraculously by that star that God used to lead them, they found the place where Jesus and his foster father Joseph and his mother Mary were staying, a house in Bethlehem. They went in, and when they found him, they they rejoiced with overwhelming joy, it says, to see this newborn king that they apparently trusted in also as their own savior. And they presented to him those gifts fit for a king. And then since God had already warned them not to go back and report to King Herod, they went back to their homeland by a different route. They did not go back through Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't tell us how long Herod was waiting around before he realized that the wise men had tricked him, that they were not going to come back and report to Herod uh, where they had found the newborn king. And then we read that Herod, in his fury and in his jealousy and fear, gave orders that all of the boys in Bethlehem and in all the surrounding area, aged two years and under, would be killed. But in order to preserve his promise and protect his son, God sent an angel to warn Jesus' foster father, Joseph, in a dream to get up right away that very night and to take Jesus and Mary and to flee to safety in Egypt. You see, Herod had forgotten that there is an almighty God in heaven who had made this promise to send a Savior for the world and who would not let any human king and his jealous rage get in the way of fulfilling that promise. God had sent his only begotten Son into the world and would not let anyone destroy him before he had fulfilled his mission of salvation. So we see how God carried out that protection through sending his angel to warn Joseph and to rescue Jesus. What do all of these events in Matthew chapter 2 and shortly after the birth of Jesus, what do these all mean for us as we now begin a new calendar year? Well, as we mentioned in today's second reading from Galatians chapter 4, we see there some application to ourselves. The Apostle Paul writes there, When the set time had fully come, God sent his son to be born of a woman so that he would be born under the law 
in order to redeem those under the law so that we would be adopted as sons. Jesus is God's only begotten Son, and we are his adopted children. All of us are members of God's family through faith in Jesus as our Savior. All of us are heirs of everything that belongs to our Heavenly Father. He loves us just as much as he loves his own Son, his only begotten Son. He will give us also the same loving protection that he gave his own Son, Jesus. Every year has its uncertainties. Of course, King Herod isn't around today to threaten us and our children, but the devil is. The devil is determined not only to destroy our bodies, our lives, but also our spiritual lives, our souls. And the devil is a far greater and more fearsome enemy than King Herod was. And in addition to that spiritual enemy of the devil, there are also physical enemies that threaten us. Disease, hunger, pain, all crouching at the door of a new year, waiting to hurt and to harm us and inflict pain. But what a comfort to know that God, who is far greater than all of our enemies put together, will give us the same loving protection that he gave his son. Now we might be thinking, but the, the Lord doesn't always protect me from sickness and from pain and sadness and grief. I have chronic pain in my, my back or my leg. And last year, one of my loved ones died. What about those baby boys in Bethlehem who were slaughtered by the murderous rage of King Herod and their weeping and grieving mothers mentioned in today's Gospel reading? What about them? Well, God answers these questions through his prophet Isaiah. And he answered them hundreds of years before these events in our gospel reading took place, when God's people were suffering also at that time. In Isaiah chapter 55, God says, For my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. The Apostle Paul, who had himself been beaten, shipwrecked, and stoned, beaten with rocks to within an inch of his life, nevertheless, still wrote in Romans chapter 8, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? So yes, there are times when we might suffer, but never beyond the limits that God in his love has set, never without God's promise that he worked all things for our good. Psalm 121 sums it up beautifully when it declares that the Lord never slumbers or sleeps, that he will preserve our life. He will preserve us from all evil. He will watch over our life from now until eternity when he brings us to our true eternal home with him in heaven. And so our whole life, body and soul, is under his loving protection and care. Our almighty Father in heaven gave his own son 
and in so doing, prove his love to us. And so there's nothing for us to fear or worry about in the new year, because it is just another year under God's grace and protection. He who protected his own son will certainly also protect us, his adopted and dearly loved sons and daughters through faith in Jesus. And also notice, as we mentioned earlier, here in Matthew chapter 2, the, the multiple prophecies from the Old Testament that were fulfilled just in, in this short span of time in these few events in Matthew chapter 2. First, we read about the fulfillment of the birthplace of the Messiah, that the prophet Micah prophesied in chapter 5 of, of Micah, a book of prophecy, saying that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem which at that time was not a very important town, but that was the town where King David, perhaps the greatest king of God's people Israel in the Old Testament, was originally from before he became king and made Jerusalem his capital city where he built his palace. And God had promised to King David that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne and reign forever. In other words, God was promising King David that one of his own descendants would himself be the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. And God fulfilled that promise in the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, since Jesus, according to his human nature, was a descendant of David. The second prophecy that we see fulfilled in this reading is from Hosea chapter 11. Out of Egypt I called my son. And of course, that initially was a reference to God's son, his children, Israel, his people, that he rescued from slavery in Egypt, where they had been enslaved for 400 years, and God sent Moses to lead them out of that land of slavery. But ultimately, that prophecy pointed ahead to God's only begotten son, the Savior, and these events that we see in our reading. Even, even the, the terrible tragedy of Herod and his murder of the babies in Bethlehem, God worked even that tragedy to fulfill this promise that he had made, to send Jesus for safety into Egypt so that this prophecy would be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. And the third prophecy that we see fulfilled in this reading is tragically that prophecy of the great mourning and grieving that happened after the slaughter of those innocent baby boys in Bethlehem under King Herod's murderous rage. Of course, we know that that great evil is not something that God wanted to happen, but our all-knowing God knew that King Herod's murderous jealousy would lead to that tragic event, and he prophesied about it in Jeremiah chapter 31. And God even worked that tragedy as a testimony of of his grace in sending the Savior, who is also the Savior of those baby boys who were innocently murdered, the first Christian martyrs who lost their lives because of Jesus, the Savior. And that fourth prophecy that we see fulfilled is the prophecy about Jesus being called a Nazarene, the Savior being called a Nazarene. And if you notice in the footnote on that verse, verse 33, uh, 23, in our reading, the footnote in the service folder, notes that there is no direct uh, prophecy in the Old Testament that, that directly says he will be called a Nazarene. But of course, we think about, and, and uh, this reading from Matthew chapter 2, 
makes the connection to Jesus' hometown, not where he was born in Bethlehem, but where he later grew up after Joseph and Mary and Jesus returned to Israel from, from Egypt, and they settled in Joseph and Mary's hometown of Nazareth in Galilee. And so that word Nazareth related to the Hebrew word Nazarene, which also uh, is, comes from the Hebrew word that means branch. And so although it's not a direct quotation from the Old Testament, we see references to, to multiple prophecies in the Old Testament about the Savior being a branch that would grow up from the stump of Jesse's tree. Jesse, the father of King David. Again, that connection to the promise that God made to King David that one of David's own descendants would be God's own son, the Savior. And so even though uh, Jesse's tree had become a stump, the, the line of kings descended from King David had been, had been cut off when the Babylonians came in and conquered uh, the people of Judah and, and carted all of, uh, all of the leading people and the descendants of the kings away into captivity in Babylon. Yet God fulfilled that promise. Even out of that, that dead-looking stump, a shoot, a branch started to grow as God fulfilled that promise to send the Savior as a descendant of King David. So all of those prophecies were fulfilled in just these events here in Matthew chapter 2. And in fact, as we look at Jesus' whole life throughout the Gospel books of the Bible, we see that his whole life is one fulfillment of God's promises and prophecies after another. Born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, called out of Egypt, raised in Nazareth, rejected by his people, crucified on a cross and in the most shameful way uh, known at that time, crucified and put to death between two criminals, but then raised to life on the third day. All of these events and so many others from Jesus' life are all fulfillments of the prophecies that God had made to his people hundreds and, and even thousands of years before those events happened. So again, what does that mean for us today as we begin a new year? Well, the fulfillment of all those prophecies is, again, proof that our Savior Jesus is not an imposter. He didn't just set himself up as the Messiah. No, we, we see from history that there were some imposters before the time of Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah and who even gathered a, a significant following to, to, to follow them and, and to, to call them as Messiah. And there are still today plenty of imposters, people who claim to be Jesus, uh, returned already to earth. You can do a quick Google search and you can find some, some strange and interesting examples of people like that today in, in various parts of the world who claim to be the Messiah returned. But all of them are deceivers or imposters. Jesus is the true Messiah. He is the only Savior. The angel said so at birth and God's angels do not lie. God the Father himself announced at the baptism of Jesus, which we'll read about in the Gospel next Sunday, that this, Jesus, is his dearly loved Son. And he calls all people to listen to Jesus. And Again, Jesus' own life proves it. Step by step, Jesus fulfilled what God had foretold through his prophets in the Old Testament that the true Messiah would do and accomplish. So yes, that child born in Bethlehem is our Savior. 
And so that means that we can live every day of this new year with the assurance of God's forgiveness that this Savior Jesus has accomplished for us. For Jesus' sake, God has cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea, and he promises that he will remember them no more. So trusting Jesus as our Savior. We can begin this new year with the assurance that all of our spiritual debts have been paid for in full by Jesus our Savior. This means that we can undertake great things in this new year. Parents can raise their children with joy. Young people can take up new tasks in life with confidence. Leaders in the church can carry out their work without fear. Businessmen can carry on their business. Employees can do their jobs. Husbands and wives can live together in freedom and confidence. All of us know ahead of time that wherever we fail or sin, God forgives us for Jesus' sake. This new year can be a great year for all of us. It will be a great year for all of us to remember that as God's adopted sons and daughters, we are under his daily protection and care. And so we can live courageously. We can live by faith in God's protection and forgiveness.